0: Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at St. Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas. It's so good to have you with us at this time. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Oh Lord, we just thank you for the goodness that you shower upon us over and over again. We thank you for the gift of life and we thank you for all the things that you give us to just make life more bearable and more wonderful and we Thank you that even though we go through trials in life, we have your promises. We thank you that even that it says in your word that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And so, Lord, if there are any today that are in any sort of affliction, any sort of a trouble, we just pray for them, oh God, that you would just deliver them out of them. We pray that you'll be with us now as we look at your word, and we pray that you'll just cause it to speak to our hearts into our very souls now as we uh, just delve into this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Our scripture lesson is found in James. We're gonna be looking at the third chapter, the second through the 10th verses. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits in the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Although they are so great and are driven by strong winds, still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, James, the brother of Jesus, is speaking here. And first of all, he calls our attention to how large, powerful things can be controlled by something much smaller. The horse is a large, powerful animal, but it's controlled by a little bit in its mouth. Ships can be huge, uh, but the direction of the large ship is controlled by a small rudder. In both of these examples you see, something very small steers something that is big and powerful and it makes a comparison between that and the tongue. He says, James here says, the tongue is a little thing but it is so powerful and it has such a great effect on our very lives. He compares it to a small fire that can wind up destroying an entire forest. So let's face it, our words are powerful. They can heal, they can destroy, and the words that come out of our mouths determine the direction and the trajectory of our lives. They affect us and they affect the people around us. Last week we looked at Isaiah in the temple, concerned about the future of his nation. And do you remember his response when the Lord revealed himself to him? He said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. You see, Isaiah realized that he and all of the other people in Israel had defiled themselves with their words with their mouths, with their lips. When he came to that realization, he repented of the sin of his mouth. He confessed it, and the Lord sent an angel with a live coal from the altar and touched it to his lips to cleanse them. Then he was fit to serve the Lord in helping others to find forgiveness and cleansing of their guilt. Last week, uh, if you'll recall, I called attention to the parallel between this and what Jesus said whenever he told us that before we start trying to get a little bitty moat or a little speck out of our brother's eye or our sister's eye, first of all, we need to work on the two before and our own eye. And he says, silly, first of all, get that two before out of your eye And then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. But you see, it didn't stop with the removal of the plank. Then, after cleansing had taken place, after we get ourselves straightened out, the Lord wants us to help others to get out of the pits that we have been in. And he is he calls us to do that. So, realizing this morning that our words condemn us, I want us to share five types of words that bring us condemnation. The first is the abundance of words. And I must say I pulled four of these from Rabbi Schneider, who is a great biblical teacher. And uh, so, uh, if you want to get a really good teaching on this, you can uh, go to... Uh, the Jewish Jesus, and look at Rabbi Schneider, and he gives a very in-depth look at this stuff. But I've just pulled four different things, four of the five words I'm sharing, I got from him. And first is the abundance of words, which is talking too much. In Proverbs ten nineteen, it says, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Now let's face it, there are some people who are just talkaholics. They just love to hear the sound of their own voice. It seems like Uh, there are different things that cause this. Sometimes they like to be in control and they realize and they've learned that as long as they control the conversation, then there's not gonna be anything deep revealed about themselves. And so uh, many times insecurity can be at the heart of talking too much. Some people are just proud and boastful and they talk too much. Some people, it just seems, are just so inconsiderate that they will ignore when somebody else wants to say something. They put others down uh, by, by just talking over them. Well, Anyway, so the abundance of words, if we want to have power in our lives, we need to learn to control our words. Learn to be wise with your words. Remember Job's friends? Job's friends showed up after he had been just decimated financially, physically, His wife had told him, why don't you just curse God and die? He was so low. Job's friends came and they spent a week with him. And during that week, it says that they did not utter one word, but they ministered. You see, there's a ministry of presence. Just being there helped Job. And so this is also a ministry that you can perform. Some people are afraid to talk to people who are uh, terminally ill or who uh, have had a tremendous loss in their lives because they just don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. And one of the ways that you do that is all that you say is, if there's anything that you need, You just let me know. And just knowing that people are there makes such a difference. The ministry of presence, uh, taking over a casserole or something uh, and leaving it, that's a ministry of presence. Uh, There's also the ministry of listening. Listening, sometimes people just need to dump. And that's a ministry. You don't have to fix them. Just let them pour out their hearts to you. And then there's the ministry of helps. Sometimes somebody can get ill, they can't mow their yard, or different things like that. Three different ministries that don't take a lot of words at all, and sometimes the more we talk, the more we can mess up a good thing. So the abundance of words, of talking too much, that's number one. Number two, as far as words that can bring us condemnation, and to me, this is just such an important one is careless words. Listen to what Jesus says about careless words. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. And let me tell you, he goes on somewhere else and he talks about how it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of the mouth, talking about our words, because what comes out of the mouth, our words are coming forth from the abundance of what's in our hearts. And so what you say carelessly, without paying any attention to what you're saying, those things are revealing your heart. Careless words will bring destruction into your life and into the lives of others. Gossip, talebearing, bearing passing on unverified rumors, words said in anger without thinking. All of these are forms of careless words. And I would put down this words said in anger without thinking as one of the most dangerous. Some people just habitually say things that they know are going to hurt another person when they're angry, and those words can carry on in the life of the recipient for a lifetime. Let me give you an example from my own family. My grandmother on my father's side once told me when I was quite young, that her father had told her that she had better get a good education uh, because she sure wasn't going to make it on her looks. Now, what she was trying to do was uh, encourage me about the importance of getting a good education. But she went on and uh, he told her that she wasn't going to make it on her looks. And then he told her that he once won the title of ugliest man in town, and everybody said that she looked just like him. I'm sure that had to hurt Grandma deeply. But this aroused my curiosity as a little boy, and so I started asking questions, and the next thing I knew, my grandmother, who had a degree from Sam Houston State uh, Teachers College, who was a teacher and had introduced the game of football to Cleveland High School, Was in tears saying, My daddy loved me. I know he loved me. My daddy loved me. And she was saying it like she was trying to convince herself of this. Apparently, my great grandfather had been careless with his words. And as you can see, careless words can help, can hurt deeply. And something about careless words about this that you need to know is that they carry on. The hurt carries on. Uh, Let me give you another example. My father, on the other hand, recounted to me on several occasions the time when my grandmother told him in a fit of anger, I wish you had never been born. This hurt him deeply and he carried a sorrow and a sadness in his heart because of his mother having told this to him. He carried that sorrow and sadness and that pain to his very grave. You know, I discovered recently that Tasmanian devils have died from a rare type of cancer called devil facial tumor disease, and scientists discovered that the cancer began in the mouth of a single devil, and it spread through the bites of that devil to other Tasmanian devils. You see, Tasmanian devils bite each other around the mouth very frequently, and this cancer spread through those bites. And over the course of several years, over 40 percent of the Tasmanian devil population has died because of this cancer. Our careless words are a lot like that, aren't they? This was a cancer that is spread by the mouth, just like the careless words that we're talking about. The conflict and the initial pain is momentary, but then it sets in, slowly robbing the life of the victim's. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful of our words. I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, oh, you know, I didn't really mean that. I was just mad or uh, I was just upset. And they expect that to take care of it. Brothers and sisters, that does not take away the pain that you have inflicted on that other person. Apologies don't pull that sort of pain out of someone else's heart. Two things about this sort of word, whatever you say. If you say you don't mean it, don't say it. You should make it a rule in your life to say what you mean and mean what you say. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be truthful full of the truth, and out of the abundance of our heart is going to come truth, and care, and love, and the truth will be spoken in love. But the next thing I want you to know about this, if you're saying words that hurt and then coming back and saying, oh, I didn't mean that, if you say something hurtful or mean in a fit of anger or agitation that you didn't mean, There's a name for that. It's called a lie. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. The third type of words that can really bring uh, condemnation on us are negative and complaining words. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, the eighth and ninth verses, we read these instructions from Paul. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, dwell on these things. Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything of excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you your life trajectory is going to be determined by what you release from your mouth. There was a time, a long time ago, when I got concerned about all the negativity in our home. And so I prayed about it, and then walking in one day into the home, the Lord let me hear myself. And it was clear as I just listened to the words coming out of my mouth. I was the problem. I was setting the pace in the negative and criticizing words. I was brought up in a situation to where if something was done properly, that's the way it was supposed to be done. And so nothing was said. However, if something was wrong, you better say something about it because you don't want that to continue And so the Lord asked me, "If all your wife and kids ever know about you is comes from what you say, from your words, what would they think?" And as I thought about the things that they heard coming out of my mouth, I had to admit that what they would have to what their conclusion would be would be, "There's just no pleasing this guy." no matter what I do, it'll never be good enough. That would be their assumption. And so the Lord gave me an assignment, and it was tough. I was to not say one negative word for two weeks. All that I should say to my family should be positive. Even if they did something wrong, I was only supposed to say things that were positive. So if I walked by uh, my daughter's uh, bedroom and I looked in there and it was just blanketed with her clothes and the only thing hanging in her closet was a coat, I wasn't supposed to say anything about those clothes on the floor. So what do I say? Well, I remember looking at all the stuff on my floor. My, my daughter was laying there in the bed. I looked at her and I looked at her coat in the closet and I said, so-and-so, you really did a good job of hanging up the coat in that closet. And then I turned around and walked away <laughs> and my daughter was thinking, what was that? Well, just a couple of days into this, Letting people know what pleased me, letting people know what I liked, I began to notice something that nearly broke my heart. Because you see, all of a sudden, as I gave compliments, as I told people what pleased me, as I praised my kids instead of criticizing them, my kids started trying hard to do the things that they heard pleased their daddy they wanted to please me. I just hadn't given them any clues as to how to please me. And whenever I did that, I got it in spades. Now let me tell you this, a nation's trajectory, a nation's direction, is it going to be going up or is it going to be going down? Is it going to be moving forward or is it going to be regressing? Is also determined by what is released from that nation's people's mouths. In Isaiah 58, 9, the Lord is speaking to the people of Israel and he has issued an indictment against them. And this is a, a one line or one verse out of this indictment and he's telling them what they need to do. He says, then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, here I am, if, and listen to this this big if, if you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness. Brothers and sisters, our nation has become a nation full of people, who accuse and speak falsehood continually. And until we repent of this, our nation is going to remain under an oppressive yoke, being pushed down by this yoke, this burdensome yoke, and we're not going to know the Lord's blessing that he would love to pour out upon us, and he will be happy to whenever we remove pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. If we continue to do so, we're going to continue to be oppressed. If, But it's not going to come from us trying to become the yoke removal police by going around pointing the finger and saying, quit, you, you you quit using negative words. You're the one that's causing this. No. It's going to happen when we realize that we are are people that I am a person of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips and I'm willing to repent and to be forgiven and to be washed and to be cleansed so that I can start speaking forth those things which will bring life Next thing, the fourth thing, lying words, lying words. Uh, another uh, example from my own family. One time my best friend had spent the night at our house and we were getting ready to have breakfast. And turns out that my little sister had a crush on this guy and she wanted to impress him. So she wanted to help fix breakfast. And she fixed the bacon and she burned the bacon and she was just mortified that the bacon was burned and my dad when he saw that and he saw that his little girl was just so heart sick and disappointed he said oh charcoalated bacon i just love charcoalated bacon and uh, he just bragged on it and so Everybody ate charcoalated bacon that morning. Well, and uh, my little sister was so proud that she'd found something that her daddy liked. He liked charcoalated bacon. So in order to please daddy, guess what we all got to eat the next morning for breakfast and the morning after that. And the morning after that, my mom turned to me and said, we've got to do something about this. And so we both approached my father and we said, you know, you've got to do something about this. You're going to have to tell her the truth. So he repented and he saw the results of his lie. He lied and because he lied, he reaped from his lie and we we reaped from his lie as well. So you see, your lies don't just affect you. You may may be a lie that's given with a good intention to maybe avoid pain in someone's life. Even what you consider good lies are really bad lies. Who is the father of lies? The devil himself. And so we need to make sure that we are truthful. I tell you with all sincerity this more that this time, that no lie is a little lie. Now, listen, here's where I'm going. This is found in Revelation the twenty-first chapter, the fifth through the eighth verses. This is the final judgment. Then the one sitting on the throne said, "I am making everything new." Write down what I have said. My words are true and can be trusted. Everything is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give water from the life-giving fountain to everyone who is thirsty. All who win the victory will be given these blessings. I will be their God, and they will be my people." But I will tell you what will happen to cowards and everyone who is unfaithful or dirty-minded or who murders or is sexually immoral or uses witchcraft or worships idols or tells lies. They will be thrown into that lake of fire and burning sulfur. This is the second death. Lying words condemn us more than anything else, and they put us on a course that goes straight to hell. I can't say it any more softly, and I can't say it with any more love. We need to be people who are filled with truth. Number five, the last type of words that condemn us. Words through which we criticize or judge others. Matthew says in Matthew 7, 2, or well, Jesus says this, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. What comes out of our mouth, our judgments of other people are judgments against ourselves as well. So, let me ask you at this time, what defiling, condemning words most hinder your walk with the Lord? As I close today, do you remember me at the very beginning talking about Isaiah? What happened to him when he realized that his words had condemned him? An angel took tongs and he took a live coal in those tongs from the altar of God, and he placed it on his lips and cleansed him. Although we can never take back one hurtful, damaging word we have ever uttered, the Lord has cleansing for us as well. Instead of an angel coming to us, the Lord himself has come to us And he hasn't brought a live coal from the altar of God with tongs to cleanse us. Instead, he has brought his own blood through the instrument of the cross, which is more powerful and cleansing than anything else in heaven or earth. So let us today remember any condemning words we may have uttered confess them and receive the Lord's cleansing and then resolve prayerfully from this moment on to watch our words. If you do this, you will be amazed at the trajectory and the direction that your life will take. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, there have been some who have been listening, who have been convicted that there is a type of word that has been coming out of their mouth that condemns them. And I pray, O God, that you would just make real to them the cleansing that can be theirs through the washing of your precious blood. And I pray, O God, that you would help them to confess to you, receive forgiveness and then march on from this point on in newness of life. There are some that are listening that realize that they haven't even begun to walk with you, Lord Jesus. And they realize that one of the things that's been separating them from you is their hearts. And out of the abundance of their hearts has been coming bitterness and has been coming things that have been coming not from you, but from the flesh and from the way that they were brought up. And they don't want it to be that way. I pray, oh God, now that you would just speak to their hearts and give them the courage to come to you and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I have offended you and have condemned myself in doing so. And I don't want to walk in condemnation anymore. Forgive me of all my sins and especially of these words that I've been uttering. Cleanse my heart, O God. Create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. I receive the forgiveness that you have brought me from heaven above through your cross. I thank you that your precious blood was shed in my place, that you gave your life because mine was going to be required. And so now, Lord, I can walk of newness of life and live eternally. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me eternal life. Lord, those who have prayed this prayer, I pray, O Lord, that you would bless them with your presence in a way that they have never known it before. Empower them through the presence of your Holy Spirit, and help them to walk in newness of life with you from this point on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. If you're ever in the San Philip area, please come and worship with us. We would love to have you be a part of our worship service. You'll find us a very close and loving congregation. If you can't do that, we hope that you'll join us again for another podcast next week so from now for, for now goodbye and god bless